Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk. Morning, those of you that are watching online. We are so thankful that you're here. Uh, This week, we have something I want to tell you about before we dive into part three of our series. Uh, This week, we have our very first, what we're calling family night. Uh, And so between our small group, we have small groups for adults, and we take a little break uh, about three times a year. And so during those breaks, we're going to offer some of these family nights. And so this Wednesday night at 630, uh, we're going to have a full children's program. Uh, We're going to have a full program for your youth, the youth group. And then we're also going to have a class for you as adults, and it's simply called Win at Home. And we're going to talk about how we can set up our homes in a way where God, where we put ourselves in a position for God's blessing. And so whether you're a married couple, whether you're a single, whether you're, man, you're a grandma and grandpa, this is going to be something that's going to be helpful for you. So I would encourage you, bring your kids. They're going to have a blast. Come bring your students. They always have a great time at youth group. And then we'll have a good time as well as uh, adults in our in our class. And so uh, that's this Wednesday night at 630. Uh, it's going to be a really good time. So you know this. One of the challenges that we are facing right now is, man, we, we pay a lot for gas these days. And so you, you know this, that, man, when you go to your favorite gas station... You look at the price, and it's at least a dollar higher, and in most cases, more than a dollar higher than what you saw a month or two ago. And so when you go, just like I I do in our family, we're much more strategic now on where we buy gas. So before we, whatever's closest, but man, we're much more strategic where, man, we want to find out, like, where can I get the, the least expensive of the very expensive gas in my town? And then, and you know this, because we want to get the most out of our money because fuel is so expensive, man, when I'm putting gas in my tank, I am not trying to miss a drop. So when it, you know, when it comes, you usually pull out and like there's some that'll go on the ground. It's like, no, 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 let me catch that. And let me, let me make, get a funnel and make sure that gets in there too, because man, fuel is so expensive and, and I want to get the most out of the money that I spend. Last time I checked... When I go into my backyard, and I would guess this about your home too, there's not a money tree there. I mean, we have an orange tree, we have a cherry tree, but last time I checked, there's not a money tree. And so we try to, just like your family, we try to get the most out of every dollar that we spend, especially right now. And probably whether you're watching online or or you're here this morning, we all do that in other areas of our life as well. We do not want to miss things. In fact, we actually have a word for that. And we, we could just call it FOMO, fear of missing out. 
We don't want to miss out on anything. We do not want to get less of something when we can have more of something. We do not want to miss out. We don't want to miss out on a dollar. In fact, if, if you, uh, it's interesting. If you come to our church and you're a little kid, we have little kids that wait to get their tooth pulled at church because Grandpa Steve, and I'm outing him here, gives them $20 a tooth. You're like, well, darn it. I think I got a loose tooth. I may, I may get on that too. Uh, but, but so, man, we have little kids that all week long, like, they're like, I'm not going to eat because I'm going to wait till Sunday. I don't want that thing to fall out before I get to church because, man, they don't want to miss out on the money. And, and man, they don't want to miss out. They want to get everything they can. And, and we do that. We, we do that with food too. So if you know somebody has a, a snack or they've got a piece of pie, it's like, Man, did, where, where's my piece? I don't want to miss out on that good piece of pie. We, we do the same thing with experiences. If there's an experience that our family can have or there's an experience that we can be involved in, man, we want to take full advantage of it. We also do this with information. Like if there's some information that everybody else has, but you don't have it, it bugs you. Yeah, well, like, what, what am I, I'm missing out on something. My daughter, Julia, uh, who leads worship up here, one of the things that she does after I get home from meetings, after I get home from my day, and I ask her if I could say this, she, one of the things she'll say to me is, say, Dad, who'd you meet with today? Oh, I met with Luke, I met with Josh, we did this, did that. Well, what'd y'all talk about? Well, what else did y'all talk about? What, who else was there? And she wants to know, man, what's going on? And we all do the same thing, because we... Do not want to miss out on anything. And not only do we not want to miss out, but if we're able to have something or do something, we don't want the JV version of it. Like we want to get everything we can out of our opportunities. But one of the areas that I've seen, at least in my life, and maybe you, you could agree that we are tempted to maybe settle in, is our faith. And when we talk about faith from a, a spiritual perspective, basically what we're saying is faith is simply confidence in God. And we're in other areas of our life. We, we don't want to settle. We, we want to get everything out of the opportunity. Sometimes in our faith, we decide, you know what? I, I don't mind having the JV version of it. I'll, I'll take the, the version of it that's not as good. I, I don't necessarily want all of what's available to me. And whether you're somebody that says, man, I'm a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're somebody that's kind of investigating faith, or you're not quite sure what you believe, let, let me ask you this question. How would a greater confidence in God change your life? How would a greater faith change your life? Have you ever thought of that? Even if you've, in your mind, even if you have settled maybe in that area, or you're like, oh, I kind of... It's kind of part of my life, but I've kind of settled for just a version of it. I don't think I get everything out of my faith that I could. But, but what if, just what if, how would your life be different, different if you had greater confidence, greater faith? It, it might change how you look at tough circumstances. It would probably change how we deal with our past, how we perceive obstacles in our life. It might change the level of fear that we walk through life with. If we had greater confidence in God, 
it would definitely impact our life. And, and we've said this over the last two weeks of the series, without a doubt, whether you're somebody who follows God or whether you're somebody that's kind of still investigating, without a doubt, God wants you and I to have a greater confidence in him. Every single one of us. He, he wants us to have more confidence in who he is and what he said he would do. And in fact, if you were to look at different people, like we all have different examples in our life. If we were to kind of examine different people that are in our life that we'd say, man, they have a growing faith. They have a robust faith. We would see different elements in their life that God has used to grow that faith. Because there's not a magic pill. It's not like, hey, if you take this pill, you're going to have a growing faith. Or if you, man, follow this formula, you're going to have a growing faith. But there are some clear and common elements that if you look at someone's life who has a growing, robust faith, you would notice a few elements that are the same. And we started talking about these a few weeks ago. The first one we talked about was providential relationships. Every story of growing faith... You see providential relationships. You see God putting specific people in the path of that person and God using people as a catalyst to to help that person grow in their faith. We also talked about how another element, not only providential relationships, but practical teaching. Again, any story you look at, if you look at anybody's life and you see, man, they have a really growing, robust faith, you would see that, man, they have some relationships in their life that God uses to grow their faith, but you would also in their story see that they put themselves under practical teaching that is true, clear, and helpful on a regular basis, and they take that teaching, not, and they don't just fill their mind with it, but it affects their life. But then there's, there's one more that I want to talk about today. So obviously, providential relationships and practical teaching are elements that grow our faith. But there's another one I want to talk about today, and it's, there's a word in it that you probably don't like. And it's simply this, private disciplines. So when we talk about the word discipline, it's like, I, don't, I don't, kind of have a love-hate relationship with that word. I have a love-hate relation, and you probably do too. It's like, I don't always like to talk about discipline because you know what I know? I know I need to go to bed earlier. I know I need to get up. I know I need to eat less. I know I should probably spend less. I know I probably should budget better. And so, man, when I do those things and when I feel disciplined, I feel like I should write a book about it. Like, man, I need to help all these people because I got this thing down. But then in the other seasons of my life that, man, I'm not spending my money well and I'm staying up too late and I'm eating everything I see, I feel like the marshmallow man that like can't do anything and I'm so undisciplined. So I I, I have a love-hate relationship with the word discipline and probably you do too. And what makes it worse is every single one of us has a friend who gets out of bed at five o'clock with a smile. They don't need coffee, and they have run five miles and read five chapters of the Bible before I've even hit the snooze button the second time. And we, we all have a friend like that, and it just, they just, it just seems to come natural to, to them. 
But, but whether you're that person, and maybe you're that person in your world, like, yep, that's me. Or whether you know that person, or whether you consider yourself a disciplined person, all of us can probably agree that, man, disciplines and good habits tend to produce healthy progress. And in the same way, there's a connection between some private disciplines and growing faith. That if you were to look in any person's story who has a growing, robust faith, you would hear something like, you know what, I started to make prayer a habit in my life. I started to make generosity a habit. I started to set aside some, some funds and, and just give it away. Or, man, I, I, I've taken some time out of my schedule and I've begun this habit or this discipline of, of opening God's Word and spending time in God's Word. In every story of growing faith, you would see this element of private disciplines. And what's interesting is God uses these disciplines to stretch us, which then grows our faith. And, and, and Jesus, he, he talks about this element of disciplines and private disciplines. He talks about it in one of probably the most popular message that he ever preached. It's one that even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you've probably heard of. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is turning the light on the religious leaders and he shows how hypocritical these religious people were because they had these habits that they did to earn favor with God. And Jesus, he, in the midst of his message, one of the things he did is he said he turned the light on how hypocritical that was and how there was a better way to grow in your faith. And he talks about it in Matthew chapter 6. And so if you have your Bible or you can turn to the app, we'll also have it up on the screen. Look at Matthew chapter 6. And it says this. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Look at verse 1. Be, be careful not to practice your righteousness. And so practice your righteousness is kind of Jesus's words for what we would say are disciplines or habits, those spiritual disciplines. He, he says, don't, don't practice your righteousness or your spiritual habits in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father in heaven. Jesus, he, he didn't prohibit, like, you can never do anything good in public. But, but what he's talking about is these people had, they, they did things to worship God. They practiced these disciplines in public, and they did it to be seen by other people. And, and he says, don't do that. In fact, when our private disciplines are motivated by the approval of man... We forfeit God's reward. And that's what these people were doing. They were, they were doing things that were spiritual things, but they were doing it in front of other people because they wanted you to see them do it and they wanted you to see them do it so that you would look at them and say, wow, they are really spiritual. And so they, they, were, they were doing this for the wrong reasons. And so Jesus gives a couple of examples. He says this in verse two, he says, so whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you. <laughs> when you give 
and there's an assumption that, hey, these people would give to the poor. When you do it, don't sound a trumpet. Don't be like, hey, guys, just everybody right over here. Look at me. I'm about to give to the poor. I'm about to be generous. I just wanted to make you, hey, uh, look up, look up, look over here. want to make sure you see this. He says, don't, don't do that. Because when you do, you, you're, you're, the, you're hypocrites. And this is what the hypocrites do. They do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. And this word hypocrites is a word for what they had. They had actors in, in Greek. So Greek actors would put on, they would have a bunch of different masks that they would wear for different roles they would play. And so when it was time for them to be the dad, they'd put the dad mask on. When it was time for them to be the villain, they put the villain mask on. And so what Jesus is saying is don't be like that. Don't be a hypocrite who, who isn't who they really are and is always trying to be somebody different to be for the applause of man. Don't do that. And what was happening was, these religious leaders were trading in long, the long-term blessing of a growing faith for a moment to be noticed by others. So this discipline of giving to the poor, that should have been something that grew their faith, what they were doing is they were doing it so that they would be seen. And before we look down too much on them, I mean, don't we do the same thing? I mean, we, we trade God's blessing for man's approval on a pretty regular basis, don't we? I mean, we, we, we trade God's blessing in our life because we want to be approved by men or women quite often. And, and Jesus, he, he, he points a, a kind of sheds light on this because this is what the religious leaders are doing. And he goes on and he says this, but when you give to the poor... Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's basically saying, hey, you, you can choose your reward. You can choose to be honored by men and to be like, whoa, look at that guy. Or you can choose to be honored by God and, and receive God's reward. You have to choose. See, see, when Jesus talks about money in the scriptures, it's usually linked to faith. Because here's, here's the thing. It's not about the money. It's not like Jesus is like, well, darn it, if they don't give to the poor, I don't know what we're going to do. I, don't, I mean, we don't have any resources up here in heaven to help, so I hope they do something. No, it's, it's not about the money. It's about growing our trust in him by giving away something that is very valuable to us that we depend on for security and happiness. It's about saying, you know what, Jesus, I trust you. And so I'm going to give away some of what I trust in because I trust you more. And it's that, that dis, and that's what Jesus wanted. He, he wanted these people to not just, man, don't, don't do this so you can be seen by men and women. Do this because you trust me and there's a need. And so you're going to fill that need and you're going to trust me to fill yours. It was always about growing faith because again, God wants our confidence in him to grow. And if we're honest, one of the things that competes for our faith on a regular basis is money. 
It's where we get this illusion of security. It's where we get this illusion of safety and peace and happiness. And so Jesus says, you need to take some of what you trust in and some of what you lean on for what I should be giving you. And I want you to give it away. Not to be seen by men and women. I want you to give it away. I want you to privately discipline yourself to be generous. And when you do, you're telling me, I trust you. I trust you. Jesus, he he moves on to another example. He he talks to him about generosity and But then he moves on to another specific example of a a private discipline that he could use to grow our trust if we do it for the right reasons. He says this, and he he doesn't let the religious leaders off the hook. They're like, okay, finally. He's like, all right, he he banged on us a little bit for how we do the money, but now he's probably going to move on. He's like, whoa, I I got some more for you. Stay right here. And he says this, whenever you pray... You must not pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray like the actors. Because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. See, there were certain times a day in the Jewish kind of religion and kind of in their culture that they would stop and they would pray. Other, other religions do that, where there's just certain times a day where they stop and they have a prayer time. Well, Jewish people did. And so some people would do it discreetly, like, all right, it's time to pray, so I'm going to do it discreetly. Even if they were out in public, they would do it discreetly. But then there were some others that are like, okay, microphone out, we got the music, it's time for a show. I'm about to pray, everybody. And, and they would, you know, 45 minutes of big words and the big King James English, not really because they didn't speak English, but man, super big words, super sound spiritual. And, and, and I hope that, that other people were happy with that and approved of that because God didn't. He, God wasn't impressed by their big words, by their showy prayers, but that's what they were doing. They were praying to be seen by others. Because they wanted you to look at them and say, man, I don't even know what that word means. But man, that person's super spiritual. And Jesus says, don't be like that. But then he goes on and he says, but when you pray, don't be like that. Don't be like the actors. Don't be like the hypocrites who who pray to be seen by men. When you pray, go into your private room. Shut your door. And pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. See, God, he he sees, he knows, and he will reward your act of faith, of dependence on him. Because when you pray, when you take time out of your schedule to connect with God through prayer... When you take time out of your schedule to connect with God through reading the scriptures, what you're doing just by doing that is saying, you know what, I'm setting aside something that's very valuable to me, time, and I'm giving it to you because I trust you. And Jesus, he goes on as he's talking about this, he says, when you pray, don't babble 
like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Prayers aren't supposed to be meaningless repetition. They're not to be just merely words that we recite to God that are thoughtless. Prayer is not this cold formula that, hey, if I say the right words before dinner, my food tastes a little better. Or if I I say the right words, God's going to move. If I can manipulate God a little bit with my words and I say just the right things, it's not some cold formula. What it is, it's it's a conversation that we have set aside time for to have with our loving Heavenly Father. Jesus, he, he, he closes this section. He says, just don't be like them. Don't be like those people that, that pray to be seen by men or that just pray and just babble. It's just, there's no meaning to it. It's just reciting words. It's, it, there's nothing there. I, I'm, a, I'm your father. You're having a conversation with me. You don't have to say big words or do it a certain way. You don't have to do it so other people are impressed by it. He says, no, 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 don't be like them. Because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. See, see, God knows what his kids need. He loves that his kids come to him and tell him what's on their heart. And he delights in meeting their needs. When, when I, with my kids, I have three children. I have a, a son who's 20, he's uh, obviously older. He lives on his own, and, and he and I uh, get together for breakfast, dinner, different stuff like that. And then I have uh, Julia, who's 17, and I have Kate, who's eight. And so with all my kids, I try to have breakfast with them or, you know, go out to coffee, do different stuff just to spend time with them. And so if, if my son and I are having breakfast the next time, and, and my son Austin, he, he pulls out a a piece of paper when we sit down and he starts reading a pre-written paragraph with huge words that he doesn't even understand to me, that's going to get awkward. It's going to get really weird. That's just obviously not the way, that's not what we do when we sit down and have breakfast together. We're, I don't have like a written agenda with big words that I don't understand. He doesn't have like, hey, let me, let me read the deal to you, dad, because this is what we, I always read to you when we have breakfast. So let, let me, let me run through my thing here. No, that's just not, that would be super awkward. It's cold. No, when we sit down to have breakfast, we, there's no agenda. It's just, hey, what's on your heart? What's on my heart? And there's conversation. It's different every time we're together. And, and what, what the writer is saying, what Matthew's saying from what Jesus said is, hey, when you pray, you don't pray to some God far away that you have to impress with your big words. You don't pray to a God that, that you have to impress other people like, hey, I have to make sure I say all the right words and say you know, exactly in the right tone so that the people around me won't laugh. No, no, no. You're talking to your dad. And when you set aside time to talk to your dad You're telling your dad, I trust you. I trust you. Just like when I set aside money and I'm generous and I I make giving a habit, when I set aside time to talk to God, when I set aside time to spend time in the scriptures, to hear from God, I am saying to God, God, I trust you. I need you. 
Which leads us back to that question that we started with. And the question is simply this. How would a greater confidence in God change your life? How how would a greater confidence in God, a greater trust, a greater faith, how would it change your life? See, it's available. For for some, you you may say, maybe you're watching online, you you may think, you know what? Uh, That's only available for like the superstar Christians. That's only available for like the people that I read about in Scripture. No, a growing, courageous, bold, life-changing faith is available to every single one of us. And it's available, and it's what God wants for us. He wants our faith to grow. He wants our confidence in Him to grow. And, And here's the thing. God's best is actually waiting on the other side of growing faith. One of the elements God uses to build that faith in us is these private disciplines. In fact, and maybe you'd see this in your own life, or you maybe could see this in somebody else. If you look at any example of a life that exhibits growing faith and spiritual impact, you'll see this. Public success is always preceded by private disciplines. You, you look at anybody in your life that you'd say, man, they have a, man, their faith is strong. I've seen them go through tough moments and they, they seem to have a faith that just doesn't waver. Doesn't mean that everything's perfect in their life. Doesn't mean they always do things right. But there's, there's just something that is in them. That's different. When you see somebody that seems successful in their faith, it was preceded by, in many cases, years of private disciplines, of private generosity, of private prayer, of private time in God's Word, where they just, over time, did things that nobody else could see. And over time, God used those to grow a robust faith that now you see. One of those people, and I thank I think the Lord for several people that God's put in my life that have been an example of that. But one of those people is uh, a guy by the name of Mike Calhoun. So Mike, Mike was a guy that uh, I worked for for 15 years, who on the toughest kind of week of my life, and, and he was there for me a lot, but in, in some of the toughest moments of my life, he was at my front door to help always. Some of the deepest waters that I ever walked in, he would get on a plane and fly several states to be with me, to walk with me through it. I've watched this guy have some great spiritual successes, have some great Uh, Things happened, some great opportunities in his career. But I've also stood next to this man when he stood by his 20-year-old daughter's grave that died unexpectedly in a car accident. I I was there when he did that too. And, And through all of what Mike and Betsy, his wonderful wife, went through, there was always a kindness. There still is. There's a peace. There was a confidence in God, even in their darkest moments. And they didn't try to pretend that their darkest moments were great. But even in their darkest moments, there was something in them deep that wasn't rattled. 
And I remember one of the, Mike has said a hundred things to me that I, I remember and that were kind of key statements. But one of the things I remember Mike saying to me when he was talking to me and a couple other guys, he says, the only thing I control is when I get up in the morning. You're like, well, what do you mean by that, Mike? Mike, for decades, has set aside his mornings before the, anything else happens to spend time with God. And he says, you know what, I, I can't control what happens when I get to the office. I can't control all the stuff that happens in my day. I can have a plan for it, but I, I can't control all that. But, but I can control getting up early in the morning and spending time with God and, and really developing those spiritual habits, not to be seen by men, not to impress anybody else. But, but those spiritual habits that over decades have built this strong and growing and life-changing faith that has literally impacted thousands upon thousands of people. Mike's now close to 70, about 70 years old, and he is still getting after it. He is still impacting people. He is still waking up early every morning and spending time with God. He understands what it means to have intimacy with the Father and how that intimacy doesn't come by accident. It comes when we allow these private disciplines to become part of our life. Mike's a tremendous example to me. And here's what I want us to, as we begin to kind of close, one of the things that we, we need to think about as we think about our own life is when we, because this is hard, when we set aside time for God, when we set aside money for God, when we, when we give those things that are most valuable, God not only like, does something in us when we trust Him, but it's almost like that trust is multiplied. When we trust Him with our finances, when we trust Him with our time, He multiplies our trust. He multiplies our confidence in Him. And when we say, you know what, God, I'm, for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up a little bit early and I'm going to spend 10 minutes with you. And I've, I've never done that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that a habit to just spend 10 minutes with you a few days a week. And I'm just going to stick to that habit and, and it's going to take a while. I'm going to miss some days, and God's not going to be like, hey, when you miss a day, well, that's a, you're on the bad list now. God's not, he's not doing that. He's not keeping track of that. But when we, we decide, no, I'm going to set aside some time, and I'm going to spend it with you. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to spend time in prayer, even though I don't really even know how to pray yet. God says, you, you trust me with that time, and I'm going to build your confidence in me. When we say, you know what, God, I'm going to, I don't make a lot. I don't have a lot. I've never been really, I wouldn't consider myself generous, but I'm going to start to set aside some money on a regular basis and I'm going to trust you with it. He says, go ahead. Just go ahead. Watch, watch what I'm going to do. You trust me with that. And when you do, God is going to grow your confidence in him and continue to do that. Because when we give God our time, when we give God our wealth, when we give God anything that's important to us, we're depending on him and we're telling God, God, I trust you. I trust you. And God honors that type of faith. And so here's my challenge. 
Here's my challenge. Over the next 30 days, and this means a whole lot of things to probably everybody here. This is going to mean a little different to everybody here and everybody watching online. But here's my challenge. Over the next 30 days, give God your first few minutes and your first few dollars. You're like, what does that mean? I want to challenge you, if if you've never done it, to trust God with some of what's most valuable to you, your time and your money. Give God a few minutes. Make it it a priority that, you know what, even even if it's like, hey, I'm going to set my alarm for five minutes earlier and I'm going to make a little extra stronger coffee and I'm going to spend that five minutes with God. I'm just going to read the scriptures. I'm going to spend a minute or two in prayer. And, and what will happen is that five minutes will probably grow into 10 minutes and it might grow into 15. And it'll, it, as you trust God with that, he will grow your faith. And you'll find that, man, you'll be 15, 20 minutes in and it'll be like, it went like that. Give God your first few minutes and give God your first few dollars. Like, God, I'm going to begin to, uh, here's what I make and never really thought of this, God, but I'm going to start to set aside a certain amount of my money to give. And, and again, God's not saying, well, dang it, if they don't give, I, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills up here in heaven. No, it's, God doesn't need our money. God wants our trust. And when we give to him, when we give to his work, we trust. I, I know for Lori and I, I, I remember when for us, back in the day when we were in college, dude, 10 bucks was like, a sacrifice to, to give that. I mean, I remember trying to be faithful and be, be good because I knew that's kind of, that was important to do, but that was hard. And we were terrible with our money back then. And, and now God, over the years, we've been able to give a little bit more and a little bit more and just like, hey, we just want to be faithful. And it's not that we, we, we give a lot in this month and then never give again. It's just like, no, we just try to discipline ourselves to Every month we just give, and over the year, God grows our faith, and we watch him do things. And so give God your first few minutes and your first few dollars. And over time, these disciplines will move from, I need to do this, to I get to do this. I I need to spend time with God to, oh, I can't wait to spend time with God. Oh, we need to give a little bit this month to, I can't wait to watch what God's going to do. From, I need to, to, I get to. And God just says, I just want you to take a step. I just want you to trust me. And when you take a step in these private disciplines, your confidence in God will grow. When God wins your heart, when he wins your trust, it changes everything. Let's pray. God, I thank you for how patient you are with us. And Lord, you you don't love us for what we can do for you. You don't love us more on our good days than you do on our bad days. You love us extravagantly every single day. And your desire for us is that we would have intimacy with you, that we would have growing confidence in you because your best for us is on the other side of us believing you. And maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online with every head bowed and every eye closed and you would say hey Chris 
There's been a time in my life when I, I became a follower of Jesus. I've, I've, I've already made that decision to follow Jesus with my life. And for you, if you were honest, you'd say, Chris, I, I do see that I've kind of settled in the area of my faith. You know, other areas of my life, I, I go all out in and I don't want to miss any opportunity. But I, I, if I'm honest, I can see how in my faith, I've kind of gone for the JV version. And maybe for you today, it's just saying, you know what? I'm just not going to do that anymore. Just in the quietness of your, your heart and the quietness of this room, it's just saying, you know what, God? I, there's so much more available to me in my relationship with you. And I'm, I'm no longer going to stoop to just a little bit. I, I, I want a robust faith that is confident in you. Would you be willing to take a step towards that? Would you be willing to begin some of these private disciplines, these things that are just elements that God seems to use to grow our faith? Maybe for you this week, it's saying, okay, I, I'm going to get my calendar out and I'm going to set aside a little time. I'm just going to set aside a little time. I'm going to trust God with a few minutes. Maybe it's your lunch hour. Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe at night. Just going to read the scriptures. Maybe spend some time in prayer. I'm going to trust God with my time. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's, you know what? Yeah, I've, I've never really thought about that. I've, I, once in a while I'll give, but I've, I've not made that a habit. Not made that a discipline. And I I want to trust God with my finances. And so I'm going to set aside some finances to give towards what he's doing. And again, whether you do or not, God still loves you. But God wants a lot for you. And, and we get what he wants for us when we trust him. And so some of these little disciplines are just ways that our trust in him grows. Maybe you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're watching online and you would say, hey, Chris, I'm, I've been around church. Maybe I grew up in that a little bit, but I've, I've never really started a relationship with Jesus. I, I know all the right answers, but I've never started a relationship with Jesus. For you, the, the first step that God wants for you is for you to trust him in that area. For you to tell him, man, I, I believe, God, that, that I'm a sinner. I believe that I've disobeyed you. I admit that. I, I believe that when you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the dead for my sins, I, I believe that he did that for me. And then it's just calling on him and just saying, I, I don't want to just know that in my mind. I want a relationship with you. And so, God, I'm asking you to come into my life and transform me. I trust you. You can do that. If you're watching online, maybe you're listening to this on a podcast. You're here this morning. You can do that. Just tell God, God, right now in your heart, God, I admit that I've disobeyed. I admit I've done my own thing. I admit I've sinned. And then just tell him, I, I believe. If you believe, tell him, I believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for me. And then just ask God, God, come into my life. Transform me. I trust you.
If you made a decision for Christ, if you said yes to Jesus today, we would love to know about that. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a little decision card. If you're here with us this morning, right in front of you is a a decision card that you can just fill out and kind of tell us the decision you made. And then you can just drop it in the basket on your way out. And we'll, we'll just contact you this week. Just follow up a little bit. We won't bug you. But we want to rejoice with you. God, I am so thankful that we can trust you. In the midst of a world that is so up and down, you are the thing that never changes. And you love us. And you invite us in to trust you. God, I pray that we would. In Jesus' name, amen.